That's it. Yeah, that's but, your speech. That's, I don't want to hear anything but that. No, no, but what, what, when you I look at the history. I don't want to hear numbers are for losers. I don't want to hear that. I know that, Jack, and I, I know you're passionate that. about it. I'm, but, not, I'm talking about the real deal. Yeah. When you get your team together to get ready for the Celtics, so you can talk all the X's and O's you want. Either you're going to go and you're going to take the fight to them, or they're going to push you around like they did Saturday night. DeLon right into the lane, throws it up and in. Man, the wrong foot runner from DeLon. Van Vliet on Horford. Step back three. Good! Down the bottom of the well for Fred Van Vliet. It's over. The Raptors tie a franchise record for wins in a season. The 56th victory is at the hands of the Celtics. It's the final countdown. Come on, Josh. I'm just letting you rock out, man. I wanted to see how far you would go with that. 42 and a half minutes of Wheeler doing Europe's final countdown. Best pod ever. I think that would win an award. It would have to, right? We might have to save that for after the play. We were going to need some off-season content, so there you go. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. Send in your requests at Wheeler TSN and JLU 1050. Uh, this is Jurassic Pod. Karaoke Pod. Ooh, not a bad idea, buddy. Uh, final week of the season is here. That means Josh Lundberg may have some actual freedom. In a few weeks' time. Hopefully, Hopefully not. not until late June. We'll post-NBA draft. Post-free agency, that would be preferable. But we are in the last week of the regular season. And it's been quite the ride. We're going to kind of reflect on the last week and the difficulties the Raptors faced. Last night's, which we're recording this on Thursday morning, massive win against the Boston Celtics. Some Ex of the highs. Exhale, exhale. No kidding. Step up. Maybe don't step off the ledge, but like take a little bit of a step back. Look out and not down. That's sure. the key. And we'll address some of the highs and lows going on in terms of performances right now on, in the rest, in, across the Raptors lineup. I'm not sure if there's ever been, and, and you're kind of joking around saying breathe, Josh, but I don't know if there's been a top-seeded team in a conference that's kind of approaching that 60-win plateau, which I don't think they'll get there anymore, where a game in the final two weeks of the season mattered so much. You know what I mean? I like mean, It's like, a well, really rare circumstance Well, Boston here. wasn't a, a super convincing first seed last year either, and it sort of took them until the final days of the season. Like Cleveland was right on their tail, and even the, the Raps were sort of hanging around a little bit. But I hear what you're saying. I mean, this is not a, a couple of weeks ago. It looked like 60 wins was going to be relatively straightforward. A close Just take to a care. Lock. Yeah, I mean, take care of business. Wins win the games that you should, and 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 it should happen. Um, the Raptors at one point had a it was like a five game cushion for first. So yeah, I mean. Things have been a little dicey here, but that's the Raptors' experience for you, right? When is anything ever easy? Well, it, it Mike Breen and Doris Burke were in town from ESPN, and Freddie Coleman and Fitzsimmons on their late-night show were commenting after it was all wrapped up. It's like, the Raps are a top seed, yet Wednesday night meant so much to them, which is incredible. And I think it has to do more with what the, the eye test, what Raptors fans have been seeing over recent weeks rather than their standing 
and it being a tenuous lead at that time in terms of the top spot in the Eastern Conference, right? It's more about how rather than where they were. Yeah, I mean, the, the Raps, like the ball was in their court, right? Literally, I mean, they they had control of their own fate, and the, the odds were always heavily in their favor in terms of finishing the season in first place. So I'm not sure how, how legitimate that fear was that Boston would actually overtake them. Obviously, had Boston won yesterday, the, those odds would have been a lot closer than they have been right, in a long time. It would have been time. a true race down to the finish. A true race, even though the Raptors still have that, they would have had that one game advantage. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a matter of that that nervousness that has creeped up at this time of the year in seasons past, it, it, it maybe had the last few years gone smoother come playoff time, people wouldn't have been so nervous this time around, but it's like, okay, well, here we go well, again. And, so let, I, and let's I'm, be honest, you never want to regress at the end of the year, and that's what it looked like the last two-plus weeks have been for this Raptors team, reverting back to old habits or just not playing and showing the form that made this team an NBA title contender because that's what they turned into. That's how that's, well they that, played over they, the course of the season. That's what they look like. That's yeah. what they look like. And then the last couple weeks, not so much. Not so much. Therein is frustration. Well, yeah, and timing is everything, right? That's what we were talking about the other day where like, every team goes through their, their little slump at, at some point during the season, it's very rare to have, like the Warriors did a few years ago, have virtually a perfect season all the way through start to finish. It's a long year. Uh, so you're going to go through it. The The problem is, for the Raptors, you certainly don't want to go through it at the time in which they're going through it, right Bingo. before the playoffs, right? If you, we were saying this the other day too, if you flip the Raptors' 11-game win streak and this little, uh, what is it, uh, four and five, nine game slide that they're on. If you flip those things so that the four and five stretch comes in February. Right. And the 11 game win streak comes in March going into April, going into the playoffs. Everything's hunky-dory, right? Right. Did I just say hunky-dory? That's okay. I'll I'll let you off the hook there. But that's where the Philadelphia 76ers are at. Yep. They're playing without Joel Embiid. They won 12 straight games. No, I'm not buying what they're selling, okay. but that's another story altogether. Yeah, let, let, let's save that for a moment. So, four games to go. Uh, Raptors on 56 wins. Have we ruled out the 60-win season? Or do you think they can kind of run the table? Pacers Friday, Orlando Sunday, back-to-back in Detroit Monday, then Miami Wednesday. Because in the back of my head, Josh, I'm like... If there's ever a time to give players rest over these last four games, yeah. it's either top or tail of the back-to-back, and I think a, probably a better game to rest would be in Detroit on Monday night for players like Lowry and DeRozan. Yeah, I mean, once you officially clinch that first seed and you just need one win or Celtics lost now to do that, you're not really playing for much anymore other than the idea of going into the playoffs, staying in rhythm. Although DeRozan last night said every game is huge. Yeah, well, he's a better hype man than Dwayne Casey. Because <laughs> Dwayne Casey's response after last night's game was, we're not excited. We're not excited. This isn't exciting. Yeah, last night wasn't exciting. But we'll, we'll, Wrong. again, we'll get into that Wrong, in a moment. And I want to get into that. I want to get into no, that because no, no, I heard just... that I heard that a whole bunch on the Twitter. Let's get into that now because I heard that a okay, whole. Okay, well, okay. Are you ruling out sixty wins first? Just give me a yes or no. I'm not ruling it out, but I, I wouldn't bet on it. I'm, no. uh, I'm ruling it out. 
okay? Because 60, that 60 is like the number 304 right now or 520. The numbers mean nothing. It literally means nothing right now. 60 wins. Winning the conference meant everything. And that's what the Raptors are about to g- do. G- yes, and I agree. Give the, It would give them a little bit of some bragging rights. Put them in... Um, Yeah, it's it's a franchise record for wins this year. It will be, and that looks good and reflects well. Now it's just about getting on top form heading into the playoffs. So let's get back to that last night. Uh, It wasn't an an aesthetically pleasing ball game, but the Raptors won in what turned out to be somehow, someway, a must-win game, 96-78 over depleted Boston Celtics teams. Uh, Both teams playing on a back-to-back. And you wouldn't know the importance of the game or that the Raptors played really well from being in that building. It was a library in there, and I tweeted this out last night. Uh, as quiet as I've heard that building, maybe all season, in the most important game it was embarrassing. of the season. I, I, I had people calling me out because I went off on the post-game show last night about that. Let, let's deal with the game that was first, and then we'll deal with well, the, the crowd. Well, well, that, no, well, that's where I'm going oh, with this. It, so, they're linked? So, yes, they are linked. So, I tweeted it out, and, I'm, and uh, as you mentioned, the people were not happy. Now, I... I, Were they I, in the building? Because it was embarrassingly quiet. Well, no, and it has been people, far too quiet I, I, all season I, I long. I was hearing all these excuses, and a lot of them are warranted. It, it's not cheap to get in that building. I get it. But, hey, there are a lot of other buildings in the NBA that aren't easy to get into price-wise. That are allowed. And, New and York, that are allowed. LA. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all of these excuses, and the one that really set me off is it, it hasn't been a good game. The Raptors aren't playing well. They're not making shots. The Celtics are just playing worse. It's not a good game. This is why people say that Steph Curry has ruined basketball. You don't need to hit 15 threes or score 120 points necessarily for you to be playing well. Listen, the biggest reason why the Raptors have gone through their their little slide recently has been their def- defensive slippage, right? The biggest reason why people were panicking was because their defense wasn't any good. Last night, they shut the Celtics down. And the Cel- yeah, you can make all the excuses you want for the Celtics too. Second night of the back-to-back. Okay, the Raptors were in the second night of the back-to-back as well. No Kyrie Irving. Well, fine. But Boston was 12-5 and without Kyrie Irving previous to last night. There's I have no still- idea how. Watching that team, even watching the game on you Saturday. You have no idea how? No. The biggest reason no. The biggest reason why the Celtics have been the Celtics this year, the biggest reason why they've been great this year is not Kyrie Irving. I'm sorry to say. It's not. The biggest reason they've had a great year is because of their NBA-best defense, and Kyrie Irving does nothing to help you on that end of the floor. Yeah, but you need someone that could score. Like, Terry Rozier's been playing well. Last night, he was a complete train wreck. He was a liability on the floor. The Celtics had 10 assists in the ballgame to 17 turnovers. And it was, every time he got the ball, he just like went into like video game mode and flew at the hoop and would throw up a wild shot. And when Jalen Brown went out of that ball game with three fouls, the Celtics completely collapsed and they couldn't get it back together. It was shockingly poor. And I get you on the defense and the identity, and that can get you through That's ball games. Exactly but, what? No, but the team that we saw last night, 
They were horrible. No, well, okay, no, well, no, no, why, no. Why, give, why, why were I they give, horrible? I give partial credit to the Raptors. You should that. give more than partial well, credit to the Raptors. But I'm also saying that that Celtics performance was one of the worst we've seen at the ACC this well, year. Well, listen, we look at... It can be both, Josh. It can be both. It can be both, and it is both. But we, we look at things on the Raptors' side of things, the Raptors' perspective. Um, that's the team that we report on. Right. But let, let's look at things from the Boston standpoint as well, going into last night's game, because as much as we're hyping it up as the most important game of the Raptors season, it was also the most important game of the Celtics season. So they had all the motivation that the Raptors did in the exact same scenario in terms of rest and yada yada. You're right. Um, and they laid an absolute egg. And part of that is due to the Raptors, and part of that is due to they played a horrible game. They hit three Three-point shots, Josh. They haven't hit three or okay. fewer since 1994. And the Raptors are the, I didn't have my license the Ra- at that the, time. The Raptors are the best team in the NBA at limiting three-point shots. Haven't been over the last few weeks. That's the point that I'm making, though. So what, they won by what, 19? 18, 18 18. So would you have been more encouraged last night? Would you have been happier about... We'll use the same margin of victory. So 132... Oh, geez. I, it's too early for math. 132... What's that, 112? 18 points? Would you have been more right. encouraged by 130 to 112 game or what we saw last See, night? I See, I don't, I don't even care. I'm just happy that they won the but ball game. But people care. That's the problem. They're like, well, their shots still aren't falling. And fine, like, listen, I get that. The, what, what gives the Raptors their edge potentially over a team like Cleveland and Boston, I was saying this yesterday as well, is that Boston is an elite defensive team. Cleveland is an elite offensive team. When they're at their best, the Raptors are elite at both. So I think it it is important for them to execute offensively in the same way it's important for them to execute defensively. But the Raptors have been fine offensively of late. It's been the defense that has struggled. So for me, this was exactly what I wanted to and needed to see from them last night to be encouraged in in a situation where, listen, in, in the playoffs, the, the pressure is going to be similar to what it was yesterday, more so than it had been the past month. They were losing games, the Raptors. I mean, these were important games. Cleveland was an important game, but there wasn't that sense of urgency in the same way that it was last night, where like they, they needed to win last night. Right. Defensively, if they can show what they showed last night in games like that, with that kind of pressure... Agreed. We'll, we're that, on the same page here. They're going to be much better. You know how high I've been on this team for months now. And and that's being consistent. But last night, I have a hard time taking too much from that. I'm going to need to see that intensity Friday night against Indiana. I'm going to have to see that for the remainder of the season. uh, Yeah, but Josh, like this one game against a poor... you cannot take that out of the equation. Game, the Celtics cannot play much worse than they played last night. A game they, they ne- were horrible. It was a game they needed to win, and that's a big difference. That that's that's the playoffs. That's the playoffs. These other games they haven't needed well, to win. I I'll mean, t- I tr- I'll tell you this as well. If I am the Cavs, the Sixers, the Pacers, the Wizards, the the Heat, the Bucks, I'm like, yeah, okay, give me the Boston Celtics. Out of those top four teams. Well, the yeah, Celtics are the team that I would choose to play above anyone else. Above the Raptors that and the Celtics Cavaliers team, right now, absolutely. If, if the Raptors could choose a first-round opponent, I wouldn't be scared if it was the Celtics. 
at all. Are you crazy? No, I'm not. Look at that team. You want to face Look Brad Stevens team. and the Boston Celtics, the best defensive team in the NBA in the first round. But they, it's also the best defensive team based upon the style of basketball that they play. And this team, I don't think Which they can score Which is going to be enough. even more dangerous in the playoffs. I, I, I don't think that they can with score enough. With how physical nah. they are, how hard they play, they are... that. I mean, that's why they're winning without Kyrie. You think they, this has been a fluke? They literally go seven or eight at maximum deep right now. And Al Horford probably shouldn't have played last night. After playing 36 minutes in Milwaukee, they've been really careful with Al Horford all season. And Al so Horford they, didn't they, have the they influence need, they, that he they needed, needed last to win night. that game. It was important to them. Uh, it's it's a lot to ask for two very young players that I like a lot in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Too much too soon for me. You don't have a point guard right now, and you're relying so much. Marcus Morris is like, he is the definition of miss or make. Because when he misses, oh boy, he misses. But he can get on little stretches where he gets hot, and you saw a little bit of that last night. I am not rating this Boston Celtics team. In fact, I'm calling it here today. This Celtics team gets upset in the first round no matter who they play. Oh, my God. I'm calling it right now, Josh. Bank it. Bank it right now. This Celtics team is no good. So, Wheels, you minutes ago, and we can run back the tape, said you are not reading too much into one game. I think you were speaking about the Raptors in that regard, yet you are willing to count the Celtics out completely. I'm not worried about because, the Celtics. Because of one game. Would because you, of would the you, roster right would now, you have, because of who they have and who they don't have. Would you have said this about Boston four days yes, ago? Yes, on Saturday night the Raptors couldn't play much worse in the fourth quarter and they handed them that ball game. But why did they, they literally get, handed the Celtics that game. You, and yeah, you could say the defensive play. In both I get cases, it. you're giving Eight credit. turnovers in the fourth quarter by the Raptors. I don't care how good the defense is. The Raptors cannot play that way. You can. It, what, it was the defense. So what do you what do you what do you think it was? So so the Raptors' the, defense in the second quarter last night was Boston Celtics esque, keeping the Celtics to 13 points. Yes. And I would say the Celtics played that bad, just like the Raptors played that bad on Saturday night in the fourth quarter. The Raptors Both teams capitulated. They did. The Raptors were exceptional in the second quarter defensively last night. The lawn right was great. The Celtics missed so many shots. So many wide open looks. And, and the look, nine turnovers, you think that's Boston just handing them the ball? Yes, because they don't that, have a point guard. No, that's the length. Kadeem Allen is the backup point guard for the main Red Claws, who are the worst team, arguably, in the G League all this year. Uh, in the fourth quarter, there were two players on the Celtics playing minutes. One guy averaged 0-0 zero, zero, and 0 across the board. The other guy averaged .5, and .4. Okay, that, like, come on here. Look, I'm happy with how the Raptors play. And now it seems like I'm being completely extreme one way where I'm not intending Sh to be. No, I'm not intending to be. Because I do think there's a lot of positive to be taken from that Raptors performance last night. But you cannot ignore the fact how bad Boston was. That's the only argument I'm trying to make here. And we could start going... Let's start going through some of the positives from, from the Raptors last night. And arguably for me, it was the point guard play from Lowry to DeLon Wright, to Fred Van Vliet, which gives you the biggest belief that this team can and will turn things around from this two-and-a-half-week slump that they've been on. Because all three players have the ability to turn it on. They all can kill you in a different way. And I thought all three of them were great uh, against the Celtics. 
And and that's the difference, right? Because you mentioned Boston's situation. They've they've got one active point guard on the roster. <laughs> And he didn't play well. Yeah. Uh, And then you've got the three point guards for the Raptors. Arguably the three best players, period, last night, right? I mean, who was better than those three? Lowry, DeLon Wright, Fred Van Vliet, all stepping up uh, on both ends of the floor. Let's start with Lowry, right? Because he's coming off of that game in Cleveland. And the thing that I always say about Kyle Lowry is like... the the reason why he's become the player that he's become is, is how hard he plays, right? Mm-hmm. It's the little thing, th- things that he does. He He's not going to blow you away with any kind of athleticism. He doesn't have elite size at that position. What makes him Kyle Lowry is how hard he plays. So it's because of that then with, that when he's not playing as hard, it's so blatant. No it's, kidding. It's not as obvious with some other players, like a, a guy like... LeBron James, who's just so naturally talented. I'm not sure it stands out as much when he's not giving it 100%. But when Lowry's not at 100%, it stands out. Totally with you. And it stood out in Cleveland. For whatever reason, and I don't want to get into that right now, um, people are drawing lines, making connections. But for whatever reason, that wasn't Kyle Lowry. And, and and this is also something that we talk about frequently, the difference between bad Kyle Lowry and good Kyle Lowry who's just not scoring. And that's what we saw through, I mean, he put points on the board, he hit a few threes, but that's what we saw through most of Wednesday's game against Boston where it wasn't necessarily because he's scoring or because the shots are going in, but he was just playing hard, and it's contagious. When he right. does that, the rest of the team does that. So maybe that that's why... Uh, other guys weren't giving it to them in, in the same way they usually do in Cleveland. It's because your leader isn't giving it to you. Let's continue that conversation on Kyle Lowry and the Raptors point guards, as well as is what's going on right now between the Raptors and the Cavs more mental than anything else right now? We'll get into that next. It's a fiery edition. Hey, we got to bring it. It's the last week of the regular season. Wheeler and Loomberg with you. This is Jurassic Pod. Into the lane, Dewey Buck. Great pass to Naguerre for the jam. Oh, the Raptors shred the zone with great interior passing. So they'll jump it up, and Lowry steals the tip on the run. Kyle lays it up and in. Into the lane, the running hook up, no good. And Anobi back to take the loose change and ram it in the machine. Jam it down, young fella. This is Jurassic Pod, Wheeler and Lewenberg. You can get at us each and every week at Wheeler TSN at JLU1050. Uh, just on Kyle Lowry, his shot wasn't dropping against the Celtics, but I think you're spot on, Josh, in your assessment. He was doing the other things right. Drawing charges, making himself a defensive presence, getting under the hoop, trying to hit the offensive glass, not just relying on the outside jump shot. That more complete Kyle Lowry is what you need to see in a playoff Kyle Lowry. No ifs, ands, or buts. It makes such a big difference. And the for, for the casual fan or the, the, the fan that doesn't watch the Raptors that often, it's keeping track of the box scores and looking at Kyle's Kyle Lowry's numbers that that's how you overlook a guy like that that those that's how you you don't appreciate some of the things that he does unless you really watch what he's doing and the impact that it has on on the team it's not a coincidence that when he plays like that when he's fully healthy and giving it to them more defensively I think than anything else they're a much better team right even 
In addition to, I should say, Kyle Lowry, I'll just hearken back to what LeBron James said about the Raptors two and a half weeks ago when they played for the first time in Cleveland. He said the Raptors will go as far as Lowry and DeRozan take them. And then at that time, uh, you're thinking, ah, oh, the bench, and you're thinking about all these other factors, but I think he's bang on. Those two in Cleveland on Tuesday night were passive by nature. In the first half, they just combined for seven total field goal attempts from the floor. In the first half, Abaka had eight, Valanciunas had eight, DeLon Wright had five. That's not nearly enough initiative from your two alphas. And Hey, Josh, it's not only about production. It's not only about points or rebounds or assists. They need to lead yep. in terms of energy, in terms of approach, and not just play passenger at times. Well, that's a great point in that like that statement that LeBron made is true. I'm totally with him but, on that. But it's true in a different way than it used to be, right? Because the Raptors used to need... DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry to go off and have big games, like scoring-wise, more than anything else. Like, if, if DeRozan didn't score 25 points, 30 points, especially in a playoff game, it's like, well, how are you going to win this game? I agree with you, and I agree with LeBron, still in that it's Lowry and DeRozan that are, are going to determine how far this team goes, but not necessarily by putting points on the board. DeMar had... 16 points last night. The Raptors win by 18. DeMar had 13 points in their 34-point win over Cleveland earlier this year. They're able to win in different ways now, but they still need Lowry and DeRozan to set the tone in other ways. Right. And, and that might, on some nights, mean taking more of an offensive, you know, scoring lead. And, and the good news for DeRozan... I don't think he was great by any means against the Celtics, but no. he was much better. But what I did like... I thought he was much better defensively well, than he was certainly he, in Cleveland. He brought and, the intensity, yeah. absolutely. But I love how first quarter of play has Al Horford on him on a switch, crossover, step back, makes a three ball in his eye, was three or four from distance. Him looking much more comfortable shooting the three, we haven't seen that in recent weeks. And DeMar's going to have to show that in flashes come playoff time as well. So I, I thought that that was a positive. So I, I wanted to bring that up and then circle back to the point guard play because having DeLon and Fred VanVleet on the court at the same time as Kyle Lowry, that's a good look for this team right now, especially with C.J. Miles struggling. OG Ananobi, oh my word, struggling right now. No. No, I thought, he, no, I thought he's been much better the last Come, few games. Stop. Stop. You disagree with that? I a hundred percent. He looks absolutely lost out there. I, I, I don't I, agree. I think, I, think, I think that's been one of the positives over the last couple weeks is that OG's kidding? looked much better than when he first returned from injury. He looks, he looks lost. He looks like a rookie right now. And what I'm suggesting is you might have to play that three-point guard set a whole lot come playoff time, and it might be advantageous for the Toronto Raptors. Dwayne Casey said after last night's game, I'm cool with a six-foot whatever Lowry and Fred VanVleet going up and defending against bigger players because he knows he can trust them. Some of these other guys, Josh, from a Powell to a Miles to an OG, I don't think the coaching staff trusts them right now. That's why OG sits early. He's been picking up fouls. Teams have been picking on him. At the start of that Celtics game, they were trying to double-team switch off on OG each and every time, and he was exposed, and that's why he and Valachunas had to sit down early and didn't get a whole lot of burn. 
I, and and I think that you can see a whole lot more of a three-point guard set in the playoffs from this Raptors team. Well, I'm a little bit torn on C.J. Miles and his usage going forward in the sense that I, I think you need him. I think they'll, yes. they'll need him in the playoffs as one of, what, three, four legitimate shooters on their roster to to step up and hit shots, to, to give DeRozan and Lowry the, the sort of space that they need to operate when... I mean, defenses are really going to be keying in on them already. If you don't have guys knocking down their shots, like that's that's a huge concern. That's basically what the Raptors have dealt with in the playoffs in the last few years. Uh, that said, I, I mean, you can kind of lump OG and CJ in the same sort of category in that they're both specialists, right? I mean, the issue with with OG is also that he's a rookie, but he's a defensive specialist right now. So if he's not giving it to you defensively, he's hurting you for the most part because he's not a shooter at this point in his career. He's not involved enough in the offense to give you much else. So they're relying on him for the defense. They're relying on CJ for the jump shot. And if the jump shot's not falling, he hurt, he's yep. hurting you defensively right now. So that's why I agree with you. I think you look at DeLon Wright and, and Fred Van Vliet, and first of all, you, you know they're going to be playing hard. They're mature for their age, too. You can and, rely and on them. in terms of their experience, these guys look calm, cool, composed out on the court. And they can make plays for you. And they you, beat which you in a different way. Yeah, good point. They can make Carry plays on. for you, which with which is huge. And, and OG at some point may... I mean, he's shown this year, I think, a better sense of... like His court vision has been a lot better than we expected it to be, especially early in the year. His passing was a surprise. So at some point in his career... Maybe he shows, maybe next year he shows what Siakam has shown this year in terms of an ability to make plays. But my point is neither he or CJ are are playmakers, right? right? They're, like I said, they are specialists. Well, CJ's jump shot just needs to fall. Like, and, and he's been struggling. That doesn't mean that he can't catch fire. Shooters are streaky by nature. And you just hope that when push comes to shove, when you need him the most, that those jump shots continue, you know, start dropping. So I, I'm not questioning CJ. He's been on a rough run of form, but that doesn't mean they can't turn it around. Right. right? But those other two guys in, in Van Vliet and, and DeLon, like th- those are two guys that are making plays for for other guys, and they're also making plays for themselves. There are, there are a few possessions, and the Raptors have done such a good job this year even last night in a game where the shots weren't falling, of continuing to move the ball, not letting missed shots deter them from playing the way they want to play. That said, there were a few ugly possessions late in the game yesterday where the offense was sort of being bogged down, and Fred put the ball on the floor and was just creating stuff at the rim for himself. And And he can make it outside jump shots. Right, and and that's what you need at some points where the, the shot's not falling. It's somebody to create, so having... At times, three guys on the floor that can create for themselves or others, that's huge. And you can get away with with it today in the NBA where you couldn't have maybe three, four years ago. Uh, Eric Kareen of The Athletic wrote about it last night. He's like, their best when they've got as many playmakers as possible on the floor. And it makes sense considering how they want to play, right? This is an offense based now on... Passing and, and and moving the ball and generating looks from the perimeter. The assists are still good. They're, they're still coming along. They're, they're, you're right. They're still the best when they're sharing the ball. I want to bring up your boy, Serge Ibaka, on a little bit of a run over the last five games. He's played well. Averaging north of 14 points, 8.5 rebounds, almost two three-point makes a game, almost two blocks per game as well. And he's shooting over 50% from the floor over that span. 
Has he hit his stride now? Has has it clicked in that this is the time where Bakken needs to earn his dollars and he's going to be a decisive factor for this team? Do you think it's clicked? Do you see a different surge? He, he doesn't talk to us often, but when, when he has, that's something that he, he said all season long is that, like, listen, when, when I need to be... When I need to be that guy, I'll be that guy. Now, I mean, a statement like that, you can look at it either way. It's like, well, why why is it only at this time of the year that you're that guy? Uh, but it's, it's also encouraging in the sense that he's a veteran player that knows when he needs to take his game to the next level. Um, I mean, yeah, we, we've been speculating all year about why. I don't like his hands. Like, he still has a real tough time catching the ball, especially in traffic. But if he does get the ball with time and space, he can be effective. And he spaces out the floor better. You just need a level of consistency in terms of effort and execution well, that's from the, the guy. That, that's that's the word I was going to use is consistency. So we're like, why Why aren't we getting that? And there's been speculation about the, the fatigue that... Why that he's better when he has days of rest? He he. he there's only one more back to back, and I wouldn't play him in the tail end of I it. Agree. So he's done for back to backs this year, in my opinion. And then the second thing is is effort, right? And it's like okay, well, sometimes it looks like he's playing hard, sometimes it looks like he doesn't. So now, and and this is what we've been saying all season is this is the time of the year now going to the playoffs where one rest shouldn't be an issue because there's no back-to-backs in the playoffs. There's rest built into the schedule. And motivation shouldn't be an issue if you're picking your spots as Ibaka seems to be during the season, as veteran players do, because, listen, as we said earlier, it's a long season. It's hard to uh, play, go full bore every night. Um, There's no reason to be picking your spots now come playoff time. So if, if those things hold true... And Serge Ibaka is the surge that the Raptors need him to be that they traded for and signed last year. Then that's huge for this team because I truly believe he's their X factor. I, I want to get to the Cleveland Cavaliers in the following segment, but it's also hit me as well that based upon everything that's gone on right now in the Eastern Conference, and we felt a taste of it this week, Josh, with the LeBron sandwich not going well for the Raptors until that last delicious bite on Wednesday night against the Boston Celtics, it was a tough one. And you felt the pressure mount and the angst and frustration come on like a tidal wave. I think you can make the argument that there's more pressure on the Toronto Raptors than any other team in the Eastern Conference to win and produce this offseason. I don't agree. Agree or disagree? Disagree, because there's a team that's in danger of losing one of the best players of all time, and the best current player in the NBA this year if they don't perform. But I, I, I still think that the Cavaliers know that it was a mess from the get-go, and this is a salvage job, and they're going to try to take this team as far as they can with the weight, without the weight of expectation like they had on them to start the year. Do you believe it's based upon the way that this season's played out. Do you believe that LeBron James, and there's no way of knowing this, obviously, do you believe that LeBron James has made his decision already? Do you think he knows whether or not he's going to be in Cleveland next year? I think that he knows. I don't think that anyone else knows. Right, right. But you think that he's already made that decision? For sure. I, I, unless... Unless, I think he has his preference. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, but unless like the the cards falling away, where things simply don't work out to his liking, whether to go to Philly or LA or wherever the heck he wants. Maybe it's in Cleveland. Like I think he has his priority, his preferences, 
And then it's just about, you know, the stars aligning. Well, that's why I say... And, but th- this is why I think there's more pressure on the Raps, Josh, because the if LeBron ends up staying in the Eastern Conference, let's say he goes to Philadelphia, then... You could make the argument that this year is the Raptors' best chance to take advantage of a softer Eastern Conference. That's why the Raptors right now, as the top seed, people are looking at them and saying, you know what, Celtics are hurt, they're going to be better next year. The Sixers are really young right now, and Embiid's hurt. The Cavaliers have been a mess. This is arguably the best time the Raptors may ever have to strike while the iron's hot. And I don't disagree with that, but I do think to my point earlier that there's more pressure on the Cavs than anyone in the East right now because I agree. I think LeBron probably has a preference. He probably has an idea of what he wants to do, but I don't think he's made his decision because I think his decision will be um, influenced in large part by how the Cavs do. If they blank the bed in in the playoffs... Make the bed? If they don't if they <laughs> sleep in the bed? If they unmake the bed in the playoffs, then I, I think that decision for LeBron becomes listen, this is a family show. Um I think that decision becomes a lot easier to look elsewhere. If the Cavs return to the finals and if they give the Warriors or whoever a run, then yeah, I think that could go a long way in in convincing LeBron to stay. So I mean the stakes right now are are much higher for the Cavaliers than I think they are for the Raptors. And that's not to say that the, the stakes aren't high for the Raptors, that there's no pressure on the Raptors. I just think Cleveland, in, in my mind, and this is where the conversation is going, right? To the Cavs, the, right. the pressure is on them. Well, it's it's a perfect segue into a short final segment. We are talking about the Cavs, a big game on Friday night, arguably the biggest game on the schedule remaining in either conference, especially pertaining to the Raptors, yep. and what exactly happened Tuesday night in Cleveland. All that coming up. This is Jurassic Pod. They go up top to Love. Three ball good. Cleveland on a 10-2 run takes a lead. They kick it into the far corner. Calderon, three, good. LeBron, far side, right wing, mid post extended. Jabs goes to the baseline. Reverse layup up and in. Acrobatic. Reverse layup by LeBron James. And he pounds his chest with both fists. And he mouths, I'm a problem. I'm feeling good about this Jurassic pod. What say you, Josh? Feeling good with this one? Fire Is it up. a keeper? Fire up. We're recording, I was going to say early in the morning. It's not early in the morning, but it's early in the morning for me. You got so. the morning voice. You already have the dulcet tones, and you just took it down a notch. But now Something this else, is like buddy. this is a good way to wake up. Like I'm trying all these things in the morning. I don't drink coffee, but like you don't? no, What's I don't with you. I don't drink coffee. I never have. So it's it's difficult. You should try it sometime, It's difficult buddy. for me to get myself up in the morning without coffee. So like I always, I'm a morning shower guy. I'm not an evening shower guy. I'm a morning shower guy. It gets me up. But now that I know that uh-huh. like these fiery podcasts really just like. This give, way, me, give me that boost. Maybe this is something that we should be doing every morning. Well, I, I was going to say, even on days when we don't do the podcast, maybe I should just call you up. I'll be your alarm clock. Hey, Josh, what are you... <laughs> and I'll just, like, fire you, fire you up and get out of bed. Instead of drinking coffee, it's... Uh, Bingo. Get, wheel, wheels and his hot takes will, will Human wake caffeine you up. caffeine right here. Uh, I will say that over the course of the playoffs, we will have additional Jurassic Pods coming your way. Shorter... 
but we won't be cheating you on the passion, the opinions, and all that good stuff. So stay tuned over the course of the Raptors playoff run. We're looking forward to bringing you more Raptors coverage right here on TSN 1050, TSN.ca, iTunes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in a week from now, we'll know who the Raptors are playing in the yes. first round. We'll know what the playoff landscape looks like. It's murky right now. And we'll be previewing the postseason. Okay, and, and this is why I say Friday night, Sixers, Cavaliers in Cleveland. That's the biggest game remaining on the schedule, Josh. Because if somehow the Cavs finish fourth place in the East behind the Philadelphia 76ers, is there no God? (laughs) Like, we've been on a good run here in Toronto, but that would just be awful. A potential, although the first round playoff matchups across the board, mouthwatering. But if things, you know, play out like they should. A second-round playoff matchup against the Cavs is worst-case scenario. There's, Who's kidding who? There's such a massive difference between the dream scenario and the nightmare scenario in this case, right? Because the nightmare scenario, Cleveland in the second round, like, I hear what some people are saying where it's like, you'll have to beat Cleveland eventually if you want to get to the finals, yada, Maybe yada. Maybe so. if someone else can take him out. Hey, good. Well, there's that, right? So if if you prolong playing them as long as possible, avoid them until the conference finals. One, you're... you're Hoping that somebody else, that Boston knocks them off Does in the second the dirty round. dirty work, yes. Right. And then also, LeBron will have to play more minutes, more usage on him. Who knows if that matters? It probably doesn't, but it could be something. So there's that. And then also, like, hey, I, I hate to say it, but there is absolutely a difference in your if you're the Raptors in making it an extra round. Right. Right, because the vibe was a hell of a lot better two years ago, having been to the conference finals than it was last year. That's just the bottom line. That's just reality. If you're a conference finals team versus a second round team, it's better for the organization. It's better for the fans. It's better for everybody. I understand that's not what their goal is. That's not what they're shooting for. They want to go further, but it makes a difference. So yes, you want to avoid Cleveland as long as possible. But also when I say there's a big difference between the nightmare scenario and the dream scenario, I'm looking at the dream scenario and it's real good right now because the idea of Indiana and Philadelphia battling in the first round and the winner going on to face the Raptors. Like, you want to see one of those teams. Right. I understand people are afraid of Philadelphia right now. Well, I'd rather play Boston, but that's not going to happen. I wouldn't. But, I, wouldn't. I would yeah. rather play Philadelphia. I don't like, I, I get it. They're a hot team right now, but the playoffs are a different animal. The sure. Raptors learned that the hard way the last few years. The Bucks against the Raptors learned that the hard way last year. You hope that Washington doesn't end up in the 8th seed, but we'll, we'll see how all that plays out over the course of the week, and then we're going to plot it all out next week. But I wanted to get to, in the remaining time we have, Tuesday night in Cleveland was embarrassing. And I'm not using that term mildly. Like, look, the six-point result 112-106 it flattered the Raptors because they weren't even in that game start to finish we're not going to get back into Kyle Lowry because you and I both agree that it wasn't the problem with Kyle Lowry going to San Antonio wasn't the fact that he went it was the fact that he played poorly the night after opening up the door for excuses and blame and all that stuff he brought that on himself and I'll just add to that quickly it wasn't the result, it wasn't the 2-for-11 shooting or whatever, the five points that got me. Because as we were, this goes back to our previous Kyle Lowry conversation. It's not, with, with Kyle, more often than not, it's it's not the result. It's what, what leads you there, right? It's how you play. It was it, the how. 100% it, how. If he would have played how he played on Wednesday, on Tuesday, 
nobody would have been talking about the San Antonio Villanova. It wouldn't have been a story. Right. It wouldn't have been an issue. But at, at the same time, um, and it, it, and Kyle said he took the took the loss, which is completely unnecessary because that was a team loss, top yep. to bottom. Jose Calderon going off for nineteen. Coming off of the last time they played two and a half weeks ago with George Hill and Calderon lighting them up. It just seems like there's something psychological now when you play the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yes, LeBron James is great. He's, he's in my opinion, the best player of all time. I get that. But it's like that's now in the Raptors' heads where they're questioning how to defend the player, when to cheat, when to double-team, when to come off their man. And then even when LeBron's not on the court, the defensive structure's an absolute mess as well. It's like one thing leads into the other. That's why I think a lot of what's going on against Cleveland right now is mental. It's the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, based upon recent dominance, whether it be in the playoffs, whether it be being 1-10 in 10 in their last 11 in Cleveland, they are in the Raptors' heads, and the Raptors lose their minds and don't know how to play against that team. The thing and it, they just melt and crumble, and that simply can't happen, and the team is better than that, Josh. The thing is, the Raptors aren't the first to succumb to that. They're they're the, the most recent in a long line of teams and players that have just, See, I'll disagree. Some teams lose to the Cavaliers, but they can put up a fight, inevitably lose, no, but because it, LeBron been, James so, is that good. So you, you, the Raptors are losing these games because they're melting LeBron, down. These no, are self-inflicted wounds. I don't disagree with that, but Atlanta, oh, sorry, uh, LeBron was in Atlanta's head. LeBron was in Indiana's head. We, we've seen this before. And this is what this is what greatness does to you. Like, it's not just the, the, the tangible, the physical, on the court. Like... When you're playing against one of the greatest players of all time, absolutely, like that's an obstacle that exists in more than one way. That's you're a mental obstacle, a mental hurdle as well. Well, of course, yeah. If they if they want to beat him, they have to get over it. But listen, my stance on Cleveland has been consistent all year long. They are going to be the favorite in a series against the Raptors should that that materialize in the playoffs. But I like the Raptors' chances a whole lot better. With home court advantage, um, that's not to say they're they're not the favorite. The Cavs are the favorite, but the Raptors have a better shot well, having that extra game at home. That's why I think first place was huge for them. The Raptors have had some success against the Cavs in Toronto. They've had no success against the Cavs in Cleveland. Uh, so having those four games potentially in a seven game series at the ACC, like I mean that that could be that could be huge. I still don't think they're going to beat Cleveland. Uh, and that says more about Cleveland than it does about the Raptors in my well, mind. They're just they, LeBron is just that good. But I, I think the Raptors. It, the, the conversation in the coming weeks, a lot of it is going to be about mental fortitude and focus, and that's where the Raptors need to get better. And it's something you can't teach. Talent wise, love this Raptors team. Absolutely love them. But that test, I don't know. LeBron and the Cavs are in their heads. I'll just say, I'll just say before we go, like I, like I said, I think home court advantage. They've got a better shot than they would have otherwise without it. And I also think the the Raptors have a better shot against Cleveland this year than they've ever had before. Yes, I'm with or you. Against LeBron but than they've ever yes, had before. Completely, because Raptors are better than 
Cleveland's worse, but man, oh man, it's just psychological right now. I hope that we're in your heads. Tell your friends, tell your family, join the listening millions. This is Jurassic Pod. He's Josh Bloomberg. I'm Wheels. We'll be back next week to wrap up the regular season. Playoff and preview. And head to playoff basketball. We can't wait. We know that you can't either. Thanks for all your love, support, listenership. Once again, this has been Jurassic Pod.